and welcome to episode 24 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to try to get to sleep after an entire good day of exciting gaming. This week, we're talking about board game burnout, both in regard to board gaming in general and specific games. First, we talk about a few games we've played recently, like Pret-a-Porter, Phantom Society, and Roleplayer. Then we talk about how to deal with burnout related to gaming. And finally, we wrap it up with an examination of the etymology of the word exhaust. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. All right, Ambie, so in our last episode, we talked about a bunch of the games we played together at MeepleCon, but I want to hear about one that you'd played without Cassidy and I that sounded kind of interesting. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, recently I've been playing a lot of Pret-a-Porter, which is an economic game where you're a fashion designer. So Pret-a-Porter came out in 2010 by Portal Games. It is famous for having a terrible rule book, which I've mentioned <laughs> a couple of episodes ago. But uh, we learned, there's, there's a lot of uh, errata online, I think. So we learned through that. But in Pret-a-Porter, you're a fashion designer. You're trying to get the most money by designing clothes, showing them off at fashion shows, and selling them. There's four fashion shows throughout the game that judge different categories. Trendiness, quality, the number of designs you have, and public relations, or PR. And each fashion show, there's two preparation rounds where you're getting designs, you're buying the material for the designs, and you can get employees and buildings and contracts that help you make better stuff and make your your fashion designs better. Um, I personally... I'm not that into fashion. Like, I don't know anything about fashion. I don't really care what I wear most of the time. But I like how the theme is unique. And I think the actions make a lot of sense for the theme. It's, it's mainly a worker placement game. You're putting down your workers and then to do the different actions. And the actions are things like buying material or getting employees. And the employees are different things. Like, there's a model, and that gives you more PR because the model is like showing off your clothes for you and I really like it it has a similar feel to dungeon pets which is another game I really like where in dungeon pets you're building up pets to show off an exhibition and sell the pets and Pret-a-Porter is similar you're building up these fashion designs and showing them off and selling them and so I've been playing a lot I actually played it twice at MeepleCon it's the only longer game that I played twice at MeepleCon and one of the times with, was with Sam Healy from the Dice Tower. He is not known for uh, liking themes that, <laughs> liking this type of theme, I guess. So a lot of people actually came by making fun of him for playing a fashion game. Which, but, shame on them. Yeah, because, I know. Yep, that's yeah. horrible. But, but he, he shot him down. He's like, yeah, this is, this is a good game. I'm playing a fashion game. <laughs> so that was fun. The, so there's a problem with Pret-a-Porter is that it's out of print. So it will be hard womp, for womp. you to find it. But I've heard rumors there's going to be a reprint at some point, but it, they're changing the theme to a video game design theme, which isn't as <gasps> interesting, I think. Are you kidding me? That's I mean, so much more interesting. interesting. I find that I think, way more interesting. <laughs> I, think, I think it's not as unique, which, which makes it, I don't know. What? There are, how many... I can't even talk. There are no board games about designing video games, and that sounds amazing. <laughs> There's no. This is like the, the only thing closest to that is the networks, which is building a TV network. I yeah. I'm in for a video game designing <laughs> Me too. board game. Yeah. yeah, 
But yeah, I think so, like the reason that Pret-a-Porter f- didn't sell that well early on was because of the theme. Because a lot of people don't like the fashion theme. Well, because it's a male-dominated yeah. hobby. <laughs> yeah, but but I think well, it's unique and kind of Luckily, opinions regarding gender stereotypes are beginning to change in our hobby. It's slow, but it's moving in the right direction. <laughs> so while I do not think it needs to be rethemed, I do like the new theme <laughs> that is possibly yeah. coming. So, although I like I like the fashion design theme too, and yeah. I while obviously those types of games are not what I typically gravitate toward, hearing you describe it, Ambi, I'm actually kind of now interested in trying it out. Mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy Dungeon Pets, oh, okay. so I don't think I would like this one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ambi. Okay, but yeah, I have no Dungeon idea Pets when it's reprinting. So, okay. Uh, well, if Ignacy <laughs> is listening to our podcast, which he probably isn't, but Ignacy, if you're listening to this, give us uh, the inside scoop, and we we would love to play a video game design themed board game, just because that's fun to say and it sounds fun to do. So, <laughs> but if it plays like Dungeon Pets, I probably still really won't enjoy it. <laughs> wah wah. Even though it sounds super cool. Recently, I got a copy of Phantom Society and was able to get that played at my last weekly meetup after MeepleCon, which I spent a majority of that meetup talking about MeepleCon, by the way. I think I played two games. Aw, yay! uh, (laughs) Are you going to be able to talk some of your Ohioan friends into coming out to Vegas next year? I don't think so. (laughs) That's pretty far. It It was a pretty long flight. Anyway, Phantom Society... It plays two to four, but I found it to be extremely one-sided as a two-player game, and I will get into all of those fun details, but my gut definitely tells me that it's meant to be a four-player game. Phantom Society was published by Yellow in 2013 and plays roughly in 20 minutes, which was a fun, fast game that we definitely needed right at the beginning of game night. And Phantom Society players will play as ghosts or ghost hunters. If you play as a ghost, you will hide your ghost tokens under the room tiles in the hotel before the game starts. So you're playing in a hotel. And don't forget where your ghosts are. The the girl I was playing against, she kept going, wait, I think I, think I know where they are. I hope that they're where I think they are. <laughs> Through the game, the ghost is trying to destroy as many of the rooms as possible because the ghost wants to do 45,000 pounds in damage. Pounds is in dollars. Oh. <laughs> yeah, not pounds is in weight of damage. <laughs> if you play as the ghost hunter, you're trying to capture all four of the ghosts before they reach that goal. However, as the ghost hunter, as the ghost hunter, you don't care at all about the damage that you're causing while finding the ghosts. So you also are doing damage to the rooms, and that gets added to the ghosts total mm. for the end of the game. The ghosts are destroying rooms by removing a tile adjacent to their location. So wherever the ghost is hidden, they can just spread outward uh, while they're damaging rooms. Once they have a couple of rooms in a row, like, damaged and gone, their reach is farther. So the more you destroy, the more you can destroy, which is really interesting. Uh, Like I said earlier, I played a two-player game, meaning... One person controlled all four ghosts, and one person was a ghost hunter. So that's why I feel like it was a little one-sided in, in the, the two-player game, because it was essentially four against one. And then that was not an enjoyable experience. I only managed to 
uncover and find two of the ghosts before the ghosts destroyed about half of the hotel. With a two-player game, they have to do 50,000 pounds in damage. Overall, it was a fun filler. Uh, Again, I really feel like it should be four players, and I will give it a shot at that player count again. But I don't see myself um, really getting this one to the table a lot for sheer enjoyment. I went to my weekly meetup recently and saw that one of my friends had brought a copy of the game Role Player, and that's Roll R-O-L-L, not R-O-L-E, like it kind of sounds like it should be. It, although the play on words is apt because Role Player is a game that basically takes the character creation aspect of RPGs and turns that into a board game. And I had been itching to play it for a while. So when I saw my friend brought it, I was like, okay, who's teaching this game to me? (laughs) So in role player, you are trying to create the best adventurer by you get a dealt uh, a race and a class and some other random stuff at the beginning of the game. And then you have to use dice to put your stats up to where they are supposed to be based on your class and any modifiers that are on your board. So for instance, in the game that I played, I was a halfling sorcerer. So, oh, and you also have the, um, there's an alignment chart as well. Like the whole good, evil, chaotic, uh, what's the other word? Neutral. Neutral? Lawful. Lawful. Neutral's in the middle, but yeah, Yeah. like lawful or chaotic and good and evil. Mm -hmm. And each, each player gets dealt a different chart and you get points based on where you end up on that chart. You also get points based on where your stats end up. So like, for instance, with my uh, halfling, I was supposed to be a sorcerer. So I needed to get the dice in my strength section up to 14 or higher. Um, But I had a negative two modifier to that. So I actually only... So I needed to get up to, I needed to get 16 worth of points on my dice to get that stat to where it needed to be uh, because I was a halfling and halflings aren't very strong. And then some of the other requirements are more specific. It's not just a number or higher, it's a specific range. So like my dexterity had to be between 16 and 17. So the way you set those stats are each one has three dice assigned to it by the end of the game. And as you place dice one at a time, you get special abilities based on that trait that allow you to manipulate the dice that you already have. So it's just a matter of placing them well and then manipulating them to make sure they get to the exact right numbers that they need to be. And it seems really simple, but it was really hard because like two of my stats that I was like, oh yeah, those are good. I've got those. I looked later and I was like, wait, no, it's supposed to be 16 and I only have 15. And it, <laughs> it was harder than I thought, but really fun and strategic. And it was, it took us, uh, the box says 60 to 90 minutes, but it, oh, it took us right about 90 with um, three new players. So I think the time on the box is somewhat accurate. Um, and I never said this game was published in 2016 by Thunderworks Games. I am not, that's what it says on Board Game Geek. That is not a publisher I am super familiar with. I don't know if it has been published by anyone else, but it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I definitely want to play it again because you're based on what race and class and these other cards that get dealt randomly at the beginning of the game, it's very different for each player. So since everyone's going for slightly different 
goals. It isn't like you, you. It almost never feels like everybody's competing after the exact same thing, which is nice because I really don't like in games where everybody wants that one thing and only one person's going to get it. There's usually something that everybody can take each round, and you're buying items like weapons and armor and traits and other things. And I just I can't even get into all of it, but it was wonderful. And I would highly recommend it. I think it's kind of hard to get right now because it's so popular. But if you see a copy sitting in your friendly local game store and you enjoy... I don't even know what kind of game this technically is. I don't know. If you enjoy games that I tend to like, you'll probably <laughs> like it. So you should get it. And that is Role Player. R-O-L-L Player. For this week's thematic segment, we wanted to have a discussion about burnout in games, not just in individual games, but gaming in general. Uh, obviously, we bo- we all just got back from MeepleCon not too long ago, and while MeepleCon is only a three-day convention, and it's definitely not one of the more lengthy or stressful cons, it did get us thinking about how sometimes you can get burned out on gaming if you do a lot of it in a short amount of time. So what are what experiences do you guys have regarding cons and burnout with gaming in general? So for me, honestly, the burnout isn't gaming. The burnout is people. <laughs> I'm extremely introverted, so being around a lot of people for a very long time really gets to me and I have to just run off into a quiet space and take a break or have a drink or do something that makes me not surrounded by people because I just sometimes it's overwhelming. I think that's probably fairly common. I think a lot of people have a certain allotment of social energy to expend. And once it has been expended, it becomes difficult to interact with people. And I think even people like I would consider myself definitely an extrovert, but I still have those moments occasionally. And I usually I can tell when it has happened because I am just frustrated and angry at everyone at a certain <laughs> point. And that's usually when I'm like, OK, maybe we should take a break. <laughs> Gen Con actually has a specific quiet room for this reason. Oh, wow. That's really cool, actually. Huh. I did not know that. Do a lot of people go there? I don't know. I actually never have. So the Gen Con's great because it's so sprawling. Uh-huh. It's so spread out. Um, it's great and bad, in, depending on what you're trying to do. But there's parts of the convention center that are just naturally not busy and quiet. So I'll usually just go find a spot mm. there instead of dealing with the specific quiet room. Okay. So I know they have it, and I'm sure it gets used because they keep bringing it back. For me, I've been to a lot of conventions in the past couple years and at Dice Tower Con last year I got really exhausted. Um, My husband Toby and I played at least 10 different games each day and we stayed up till like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. sometimes and then woke up at like 8. (laughs) Yeah and a lot of the games we played were new to us so we had to learn these new games and then play them and learning new games is really difficult if you're learning a lot because just like learning anything is exhausting, mentally exhausting. So we got really burnt out at Dice Tower Con, and then we're like, never again. We're not gonna. We're gonna take it easy from then on. And then at BGG Con, we also played ten games each day. But it was <laughs> we didn't stay up as late, and the games were shorter on average. I think, uh, yeah. 
but we definitely slept more at BGGCon. I think that's an, an important aspect of helping to prevent burnout is because some people can handle playing a whole bunch of games in a single day or in a weekend or in a mm-hmm. few days. But if you aren't getting enough sleep in between gaming sessions, I imagine that the the tiredness can stack on top of the like the brain burniness of learning and playing games yeah. and can make it exponentially worse. Yeah. Yep. It also depends on the type of games you play. So we played at Dice Tower Count, we played a couple of 18xx games, I think, and some other long games that are difficult to learn. But we also mixed it up with some really short games like kids games, filler games, party games. And so those are like a break from the hard brain mental burnout. And so it's nice to break it up with with shorter games. I personally, since I haven't attended a lot of bigger or longer cons, my con experiences haven't been too bad. I will often sometimes take a day off work immediately after. Like, for instance, I took a day off after MeepleCon, but that's partially because I was also helping run the convention, so it was a little more stressful for me. But since my job, I work in a marketing department and I do writing... um, my job is almost entirely mental. I'm sitting at a desk all day. I'm not doing anything physical. So when I've kind of used up a lot of brain power in a short amount of time, I often need a little bit of time to decompress mentally after a lot of days in a row of gaming. But for me personally, I've actually experienced burnout related to not just cons, but specific games. And the biggest example of that from recent past would be Pandemic Legacy. So I it's now been over a year since my group finished Pandemic Legacy Season 1. I loved every minute of every game of that game. Like, I, I didn't get burned out on Pandemic Legacy itself, but I have not played regular Pandemic once since having finished Pandemic Legacy. I, one time I did play Pandemic The Cure, the dice game version, but I have not been compelled to play regular Pandemic for a couple of reasons. And I think partially because we played so much Legacy in such a short amount of time, and also because Legacy is kind of like a better, cooler version of Pandemic. So now that I've played the better version, I don't really want to go back. Even though I love regular Pandemic, it's a great game. And I just, I'm not compelled to play it anymore because I kind of got burnt out on it mm-hmm. in general. Of course, the second Pandemic Legacy Season 2 comes out. I'm going to be all over that. So, you know, take that for what it is. But it, it sucks because I bought an, an expansion for regular Pandemic right around the same time that I bought Pandemic Legacy. And I've still never played the expansion with the regular Pandemic because I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I get burnt out on a specific game as much as new games. So for a while earlier this year, we were like every 18xx game we were playing was new to us. And it's a lot of effort learning a new 18xx game. And so I just wanted to play an 18xx game that we already knew instead of just always playing a new one when we played because you have to read the rules, know it, and then play it. And then you don't know how it's supposed to go because each 18xx game is different. And then you play a different one and so, like, th- those are games you want to play a lot of one game, I think. Right. I would imagine that if you're, le- I mean, based on my now somewhat cursory <laughs> knowledge of 18xx games, because they are often similar in certain aspects, do you find that learning 
a bunch of them in a row makes it more difficult to remember which specific differences go with which game or is yeah. that just something that's in my head like no, <laughs> I mean, I, the names are similar and the mechanics are similar so yeah. I would think that that might be to make it hard to be okay wait which we learned that one and then we learned <laughs> that one but which one had the rule that you did this kind yeah, of thing yeah I, I definitely get them confused but then we could just look up before we're playing right. a game what the differences are but then also the differences make the strategies different too so if you're used to like something being good in one game it's not good in another game and it takes a couple of plays to realize what is good. But if we're just playing it once and then going on to a different game and playing that once, it, it gets, I, I got a little burnt out from that. I think I experienced something kind of similar to you, Ambi, that my group, we do tend to be kind of cult of the new. Mm -hmm. So it does feel like almost every single week we're learning a new game. So I often will try and bring games that I love and... Mm -hmm then I'll kind of, I won't obviously force anyone to play them with me, but I'll be like, hey, I really want to play this game this week. And it's an older one that I like that I've played a lot, but like, I want to play it. Is anyone interested? And if nobody is, then I'll hop into whatever new game that is being taught. But it's sometimes frustrating that the games that I learn that are new, that I really like, I don't often get those second, third, or fourth playthroughs of mm -hmm. in very quickly because we're too busy moving on to the next new thing. Yeah. So... I think possibly a way to deal with that would be to schedule a game day. Oh, but it's tough because everybody knows different games. It's all, like it's hard to get a single group of people where everyone already knows a bunch of games. Like you're almost always going to be teaching somebody a new game, I think. So that makes it difficult, I feel. Because it really, yeah. it's rare that I sit down with a group of people and we all know the rules to the game and we can just start playing. I'm pretty sure that almost never happens. Yeah, we go through a lot of maybe not new release titles, but a lot of new to most of the player games. One of our, the members of our group is working on his 10 by 10 and it's great because I'm learning all these new Euros that aren't new, but I wanted to play and they're new to me. But in the, at the same time, I would really like to be able to play, say, Power Grid again or or something else that has been sitting in my collection and gathering dust that I'd really like to break out and I'll take them I it just if I don't get enough interest I don't they don't get played yeah but I think that's why the 10 by 10 challenge was created so if for those of you who don't know the 10 by 10 is you play 10 different games 10 times each in a year and that's because so you can play these games that you have again but I did that a couple of years ago and then got a different kind of burnout where I played a game maybe like six, eight, seven, eight times and then didn't want to play it anymore because I was just done with it for the year. So no, no satisfying me. And <laughs> since, since we did mention the 10 by 10 challenge, um, I think we should definitely mention um, who created that challenge. And that is Sarah hmm. Reed, who is one of the contributors on our friends over at the Our Turn podcast. Mm -hmm. And they actually just did an episode um, a few weeks ago, back in early February, where Sarah specifically discussed um, a bunch of the challenges that now exist on Board Game Geek, some of which she created and some of which mm -hmm. other people kind of created that were inspired by her. Uh, that is episode number 19 of Our Turn board game challenges it was released on february 6th so if you are interested in in getting burned out on games or <laughs> helping helping avoid burnout or there's a bunch of different uh cool things the um the challenge that you're doing right now ambi is the what's it called the 52, 52 game challenge games? yeah 
where and it's all a bunch of different cool requirements that you have to meet. And I think that's probably a good way to avoid burnout on a single game. It's, it's going to mm-hmm. force you to play a lot of different stuff. Yeah. But um, definitely go give our friends over at Our Turn a listen, especially that episode if you're interested in gaming challenges. For this week's etymology segment, we're looking at the origins of the word exhaust in its verb form. We figured since we're talking about burnout and exhaustion, that exhaust would be a good choice to pick because a lot of games have you exhaust things in them. The current form of the word meaning make weak or helpless as by fatigue uh, came about in the 1630s. In the 1500s, its definition was a more generic draw off or out. The word can be traced back to the Latin word of the same spelling that meant drained out, which finds its roots in another Latin word, exhaurier, which meant draw up, take away, or use up. The parts of that word combine to create the definition, ex meaning out, and harrier meaning draw or drain as in water. The adjective form of the word exhausted, meaning consumed or used up, came about during the mid-17th century. So it's easy to see how board game makers latched onto this term in more modern times to explain how resources in games get depleted. We got a bunch of new iTunes reviews. Thanks to everyone who gave us a rating and a review. If you like our podcast, consider giving us a review on your podcast supplier of choice. It really helps increase our podcast's visibility, and we love reading your comments. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. We have some exciting news. In case you missed the announcement online, we now have t-shirts available through Analog Gamer. They're currently on pre-order through April 22nd and will ship in May, just in time for convention season. Head over to analoggamer.com slash boardgameblitz to check out our two designs. We have a basic logo shirt, plus a fun pizza-inspired shirt that references our 30 minutes or less guarantee. A portion of the shirt sales go to us, so you can get an awesome shirt to wear and support our show. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. To support the show financially for as little as $1 a month, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out the other shows in the network by visiting dicetowernetwork.com. Have suggestions for the show or just want to say hi? Shoot us an email at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Until next time, I've got to bum, bum. blitz away. I've got to bum, bum. blitz away from the games you drive into the heart of me. The plays we share seem to go everywhere. And I've lost my meeple, for I lose and then I can't sleep at night. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right, Ambie, since MeepleCon, what other games have you been playing? Um, <laughs> I didn't play anything since MeepleCon. Oh, okay. Oh wait, okay. Hold on, I got a better. I got a better. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on, hold on. Okay.
For this week's etymology segment, we are looking at the words. Oh, we're looking at the words. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>